has blessed those who will hear later or hear even now that have joined the class uh, online. And uh, just keep us in all thy ways is my prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, give me a moment to just share this uh, live stream and then we will get started. I have joined the class uh, online and then we will get started. Okay. All right. Um, huh? Oh, it's time to look at Oh, okay. Uh, so um, again, we're in the book Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1, and we're studying Chapter 112 today. The title of this chapter is Ministers, Order, and Organization. So this chapter is discussing ministers and, and, and their decorum and um, basically their whole presentation um, to, to um, those who, uh, I guess, as the sheep, so to speak. Um, and so she starts out in the first paragraph and she's talking about how some of them speak with raised voices and speak loud and fast and um, and, 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 and a high powered voice, but she says that that noise and loud heard speaking are not evidence of the presence of the power of God. And um, she says that um, it's not the voice that makes a lasting impression. She said, but that, that ministers should be Bible students who are thoroughly furnished, who thoroughly furnish themselves with the reasons of our faith and hope and then she says, with full control of their voice and feelings, they should present these in such a manner that the people can calmly weigh them and decide upon the evidence that's given. Now, when I read that, I thought about all the sermons I've heard over the years, particularly by black preachers. And I said, well, I've heard some black preachers preach some mighty sermons from the pulpit and they don't speak them in a calm voice. And I thought, hmm. And uh, so, you know, blacks and whites worship in a different manner. Because I've been in a lot of white churches growing up too. And uh, so I, I, I can't necessarily say that uh, the experience in the black church is ineffective. I, I, I wouldn't go that far to say that. I don't, I don't think she said ineffective. One of the things that I wrote or that I highlighted <clears throat> was that ministers should be Bible students. So if you, first of all, come from the word of God with a message, then, you know, a part of your speaking, that's just your style. But there's a lot of preachers, they're just doing nothing but hollering and shouting. They have no message. They're just practicing how they can get people hyped up. In fact, I was listening to one of the famous black preachers the other day he had his voice all high and was talking fast wasn't saying anything he didn't even I don't even know if he had more than one scripture and he didn't even apply that he just was you know how people say quote unquote nothing against other religions but the Baptist swing 
had that going where it's almost like you singing, not preaching, you're singing and you're just there for the entertainment. Mm -hmm. So it's not that if you're like, and it depends on if you're the type of person who has a loud voice anyway, then your voice is going to be loud. Or if you're the, what I think the real truth of it is just be for real. Don't be trying to entertain folks with your, you know, making them jump and shout like, we had this one tape where little Richard, he said that the preacher had uh, told his assistant to pour him a, a small drink before he go out to preach. <laughs> he said, pour me a small one because he'd already had the tall drink already. So he said, pour me a small one. We're going to make him shout today. And that was his focus was just getting the people to shout. He wasn't preaching from the word of God about any kind of message. Hmm. Yeah, and, and and it's easy for us in our day and age to watch different preachers on television or on YouTube or Facebook or whatever. Um, she didn't have that in her time. She didn't have Facebook and television and all of that. So I imagine, you know, her experience was, um, you know, going to some of these other churches and experiencing that. I guess. Um, let's see, uh, let's go down to the bottom of that first paragraph where she says it is the spirit of God, which will sanctify the minister's own to will sanctify to the minister's own souls, the truths which they present to others and they will be watered themselves while they water others. You know, I've heard that many times from the pulpit where the preachers will say, I'm preaching to myself. You know, when they start speaking and they start preaching. And and so I, I think that's very true. The message is as much for the, the, the person speaking as it is for the hearers or the listeners. Yeah. If it's tr especially if it's truly yeah. coming from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, because the Bible is for all of us. All of us have sinned. All of us need the word of God. So I think you would really be foolish to say this message is for y'all because mm -hmm. basically you're saying I'm perfect. I don't need any improvement, but yeah, any message. And that's another point too. You can learn something from any message. You might not really prefer it. You might not call it one of your top messages, but you can learn something anytime you open the word of God. Mm -hmm. And you should learn something if you're truly seeking after truth. And truly opening your heart, you know, to the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit, you should always learn something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, let's go down to the next paragraph um, where she starts talking about how some of our, our ministers just wear themselves out. And she says many of them don't understand how to preserve their strength so that they can perform the greatest amount of labor without exhaustion. And she says, many of them shouldn't pray so loud and long as to exhaust their strength. And she said, they don't need to weary their throat and their lungs in prayer. And she said, God's ear is ever open to hear the heartfelt petitions of who? Humble servant. Right. He does not require them to wear out the organs of speech in addressing him. She says, it is the perfect trust, the firm reliance, 
and the what? Mm -hmm. What does she say after that? It is the perfect trust, the firm reliance, and what? Steady claiming of promises. Mm -hmm. Right. Of God, the simple faith that he is, that he is a rewarder of all those who diligently seek him that prevails with God. So, um, you know, we might think as, as, as earthly human beings, you know, that whoever is the loudest, uh, what's that saying? The, the one, I forgot how the saying goes, but basically the, 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 oh, the squeaky wheel. What is it? How does that go? Squeaky wheel gets the squeaky oil. Wheel gets the yeah. oil. Right, right, right. But <laughs> not so with God necessarily. It is the one basically that is willing to humble themselves and to trust God and to rely on him. That's the one that 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 prevails with God. Sister Karen, can I interrupt for a minute? What paragraph are we on? Okay, uh, that ended up uh, paragraph 645.2. So Thank we're going you. into the next paragraph now, 645.3. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, anybody want to read the top of 645.3? Uh, how far you want to read? Yeah, uh, read at least that first sentence. That's a long one, but. Ministers should discipline themselves and learn how to perform the greatest amount of labor in the brief period allotted them, and yet preserve a good degree of strength. So if an extra effort should be required, they may have a reserve of vital force sufficient for the occasion, which they can employ without injuring themselves. So what 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 is she saying in that sentence, basically? I think she's generally saying don't learn how not to wear yourself out, which I think one of the I think there is a problem with some of the ministers in that they try and do everything themselves. This thing about being a leader, if I'm the leader, I have to lead out in everything in church. And so what you end up with is ministers who get tired, they overworked, they underpaid probably, and then they just lose lose uh, interest in doing God's work or being a shepherd. So I think one of the things, is, and it could be something else also, but one of the things is learn how to delegate as a minister. Stop trying to do everything. Learn to use your departmental leaders. Learn to use the talents of the church and you won't wear yourself out trying to do everything and recognize that other people have intelligence too. Right. So let me ask a question. And you know, I think too, that when I think of those ministers, you know, like they'll be preaching a sermon and then they'll start changing their voice tone and they start to sweat and, 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 and then, and then you see people jumping up, talking about they caught the, the, the Holy spirit and running all over the place. It almost, when you hear that, when you hear them changing their voice, getting loud and sweating and stuff, it almost takes you away from the message because there's so much. It seems like it's chaos going on, and you know it's like 
I just want to hear what the word of the Lord says. But by the time these voices are loud and they're screaming and, you know, people are jumping up, shouting and stuff, you don't actually hear the message that the Holy Spirit is trying to send through that, that minister. Mm-hmm. So this is the question I want to ask. You're right, Patsy. This is the question I want to ask. What did Moses' father-in-law say to him about the burden of the children of Israel? Delegate. Yes, that's exactly what he told him. And, and he said, in fact, he said, this is too great, too great a burden for you. And he said, you need to choose some well, I, I, don't, I don't remember if he said captains or whatever, but he said you need to pick some help and put people over, you know, some of these people so that. Um, and he's and and he said, and then bring the bring the worst cases to you, but not everything. Let let other ones judge all these other small matters and stuff, and then appeal to you for the worst cases. And see that, and you know, Karen, it talks about God gives different talents to people, and I think that's one thing that ministers, when they do, you know, delegate. And I said, it's the Holy Spirit letting them know there's people that have talents that I want you to reach and let them show, you know, through the Holy Spirit what they're able to. Because everybody can't minister to the same people, but different people with different talents can reach people that we can't. Mm-hmm. I think, too, it brings up the um, structure of the hierarchical system, just like we have in church. You know, if you have some issue, you go to the person first themselves. If you got an issue with them, then you go with a witness or two, and then you take it up to the pastor if you have to, but to follow the protocol. And then we have also the department heads, department assistants, and then department members. Again, the hierarchy should be followed properly. Even in the justice system, you have to go to local courts before you go to state, before you can go to Supreme Court. So the hierarchical system works in a lot of different situations, and it's very beneficial if you use it right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so she's basically counseling these ministers, you know, pull back some. And, and and just don't wear yourself out. And then she says, uh, in the next sentence, she talks about how sometimes she says, all the strength that, um, that one of these ministers may need is put forth effort at a given point. And she, so she says, if they've already previously exhausted all their strength, then they cannot command the power to make this effort because of, because, then she says everything that they've already done is, is lost. So basically there may come a point in the ministry where let's say, let's say for instance, they're doing a revival or something. And what is needed is just one last push to break the strongholds of Satan. But the minister has exhausted himself so much so that he doesn't have that in him to make that one last push. And so he just, he can't, he can't do it. And, and I think she, uh, let me see, I don't know if it was in this paragraph or further down where basically she talks about 
going basically to take the weapons out of the enemy's hand. That's the kind of push she's talking about. You know, you've seen war movies where they advance against the uh, the, the the opposing forces and they just run at at the cannons that are that are you know blasting them because they got to take that cannon down or whatever, you know. And 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 that's kind of sort of what she's talking about here is that you got to go take those weapons out of the enemy's hands, literally take them out of their hands. But you got to have the strength to do that. And you got to have the push to be able to do that. And if you've already exhausted yourself, you don't have that. I think it benefits the congregation, too, if you have a minister who is sharing the workload, who is delegating and understands the system. Uh, I think the members are happier because they're involved. I think the department leaders get opportunity to show their talents and abilities as a leader. And I think the minister is saving some of his energy so that he's not getting exhausted so that everybody's kind of happier. If I, if I'm out here doing all the work myself, every time I come to church as a minister, I'm doing everything. I'm not going to be wanting to come. I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be fed up. I'm going to be impatient. And that's, a, that's where it talks about when that happens, then Satan's angels are right there to try and get you to come out from under uh, the banner of Christ and join his team and become mm -hmm. a murmur and a complainer and causing damage to the work of the Lord. But I mm -hmm. think the ministers have to fight off the temptation and, you know, uh, some various reasons why they may feel that they should do it all. But some of us pride and uh, supremacy want to run the show, so to speak. I have heard a minister say uh, while trying to discuss some different ideas that will benefit the church, you know, among a group of people. And the minister says, um, God called me to lead out. So it's like, oh, <laughs> okay, we yeah. don't have brains. Let's just do whatever he says. Yeah, he might have called you to be this the under shepherd, but that doesn't mean everybody else has to shut up and do your bidding. Mm -hmm. And you know, six uh, the next paragraph deals with that six four uh six forty five point three. And also, you know, you have ministers sometimes they feel like if I don't do it, it's not gonna get done right. Mm -hmm. And every you know, everybody has a different way of doing things, but as long as it's bringing glory to God, but you do have ministers that would think if it's not my way, then everybody else is the highway. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And when they get worn out and tired, <clears throat> then they blame other people. Mm -hmm. And so then she says, she says, as souls are on the point of leaving the enemy's ranks and coming up on the Lord's side, that's when the contest is most severe and close. And then, and then, is Satan willing to, is Satan and his angels willing to have any who have served under his banner? Is he willing to let any of them go? No. No. No, no he's not willing. He's, he, he wants to keep them bound. He wants to keep them in his grasp. And so it's going to take, it's going to take determined, persistent effort and Holy Ghost strength to get them out from under the, the ranks of Satan. And, you know, sometimes we, 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 I mean, we probably know of people, you know, that we can, we, that we can see or, you know, and 
It's a sad thing. It's a very sad thing. All right, let's go down to paragraph 646.1. And she's talking about how she was shown opposing armies who have endured a painful struggle and battle. And I think this is where she, this is the paragraph where she's talking about they will be unable to silence their enemies unless they make a willing charge upon them. And this is where she's talking about taking, taking their weapons from them. And she says, it is then at the risk of their lives that they summon all their powers and rush upon the foe. So imagine that you got cannons going off and, and, but you got to take that cannon. I remember movies, especially Westerns where they had that Gatling gun going mm -hmm. and that Gatling gun is just mowing down everybody. And what they, and what the other side has to do is get to that Gatling gun and take it out or the person that's operating the Gatling gun and take him out because otherwise they have no hope of victory. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, because that Gatlin gun just it just wiped out wipes out everybody, and it swings. You know, so um, I've seen a you know more than one western, you know, like that. And so she says, um, "It's a fearful struggle, but victory is gained." She said, "And if at the critical period the army is so weak through exhaustion that it is impossible to make this last charge." and batter down the enemy's fortifications. The whole struggle of days, weeks, and even months is lost, and many lives are sacrificed, but nothing is gained. So imagine that. You fought for weeks, for months, but you can't, you don't have the strength or the energy to make that last run, that last stand. And so... All, everything is lost because you 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 don't have that last burst of energy. You don't have that because you've worn yourself out prior to that. So it reminds me of 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 what we say in the business world. You know how you say uh, work smarter, not harder. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, to flip that and say, you fight smarter, not harder. <laughs> you know, learn how to fight smarter rather than harder. All right. Any comments there? Okay. And then in the next paragraph, you know, she talks about how there is a similar work before us. And so... Even though we're convinced we have the truth, she says we're held by with iron bands and we dare not risk the consequences of taking, well, some dare not risk the consequences of taking their position on the side of truth. And so many are in the valley of, of decision where special, close, and pointed appeals are necessary to move them to lay down the weapons of their warfare and take their position on the Lord's side. And just at this critical period, Satan throws the strongest bands around these souls. And she says, if the servants of God are all exhausted and worn out, having expended their fund of physical and mental strength, and they think they can do no more and frequently leave the field entirely to, to, to start somewhere else, 
then all or nearly all that time and that means and that labor has been spent for nothing. You know, that's 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 mm, that's saying a lot right there. You know, you spend time, money, labor, and you get so exhausted because you think that there's no victory there. But you know, the Holy Spirit has been working on the hearts of people where you've been laboring. You just you haven't seen the fruit of your labor. I think it's uh, a lesson for us also to remember many hands make light work. So don't mm -hmm. allow just one or two people to carry the whole load while you do absolutely nothing because you're um, just as responsible for wearing them out with because you're not contributing to the um, effort at all. So it's not just them, but also we have to make sure that we're doing our part so that we're not contributing to wearing other people out. You know, when you see churches that have just, I'm just picking numbers, you have a hundred members, but only 10 members are actively working in various departments. And each of those 10 members working has five departments that they're over. There's a problem with that. You know, the other 90 people need to get involved to wake up and get mm -hmm. involved and help out. Otherwise, you just contributing to wearing out the uh, patience of the saints. Amen. Mm -hmm. That is that is completely true. Yeah. And you know, sometimes you know, I look and you know, I notice the different auxiliaries that are doing things, and I'm like, if I can't be, you know, with them at that time, you know, I kind of, you know, hope that. You know, by me increasing my offerings that, we, you know, that, you know, they're able to go to the pastor and say, you know, look, you know, we may need something and we may need this and that. And in sometimes, you know, like you said, if you if you don't start supporting them and then you put all this pressure on them and you got them doing five different departments, it's time that, you know, there are times when you may not be able to get there. But there are times when you and when you find you got that spare time, call them up and say, well, you know, on Wednesday, I got a day, you know, and I, if you're going out passing out this or you're going out knocking on doors, I'd like to participate with you. And, and most people, most churches are not going to turn you down. <laughs> yeah, I think you bring up a good point, too, Patsy, even, you know, because we recognize people are have their own lives and they're busy so that when you can't come out physically to assist you can always be part of the prayer warriors or you can call the people up and be encouraging to them you know and say hey i'm with you guys in spirit or something one of the other ways that you tire people out ministers included is by being negative all the time if you if your department gives an event and then somebody comes up to you oh that was y'all can do better than that you know that was that was ridiculous you know this was wrong that was wrong that tires you out too. That gives you that mental tiredness. You know, it just sticks with you because you're constantly thinking, you know, you might not physically be doing stuff, but your brain is always working. And all you hear is these Job comforters in your ear talking about how you could have done better, but they didn't offer to help or even uh, contribute one bit. So I think if we can't physically help, we can mentally help, we can pray to help, and we can just be positive with those people who are actively working in the church. Mm -hmm. Pastors too. Pastors need positive encouragement. Just because they get paid for what they do doesn't mean you can't 
uh, tell them that you appreciate what they're doing. Mm hmm That's a good point, Lee. Um, let's see. And then she talks about how, um, you know, when she says all or nearly all the time, means, and labor have been spent for not, she says, yes. She says it is worse than if they had never commenced the work at that place. For after the people have been deeply convicted by the spirit of God and brought to the point of decision and are left to lose their interest and decide against these evidences, they cannot as easily be brought where their minds will again be agitated upon the subject. And they have in many cases made their final decision. So it's harder if you get people to the point of making a decision and then you're so tired you can't push them over that line then it's it's it, you know you're not going to get them easily to that point again um to the point of making a decision they 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 lose interest and they go on about their way and you not, not may not ever get them to that point again so that may be your one and only opportunity to bring that soul into the kingdom. <clears throat> um, and then down in the next paragraph, paragraph 647.1, she talked about how ministers, if they would preserve a reserve force and says at the very point where everything seems to move the hardest, then make the most earnest efforts, the strongest appeals, the closest applications, and like valiant soldiers at the critical moment, make the charge upon the enemy. They would gain the victory and souls would have strength to break the bands of Satan and make their decisions for everlasting life. So basically to me, that's saying, don't make your strongest appeals at the beginning. Don't put forth your greatest effort at the beginning. Save it for when, you know, you know that the people are weighing stuff in their minds and their hearts. Then she says, pull out the big guns, basically, to push them on over the edge to make a decision for the Lord. So it's it's like a singer um, singing a song. Well, you'll start at the top of your lungs at the beginning of the song because then you don't have the wherewithal and the voice and the energy to keep it up all through the song. You end the song on a high note, but you cannot begin it on a high note and stay there. And so she's basically saying the same thing about the pastors, you know, end it on a high note because then you will have gained, you know, likely would have gained the souls versus you start out way up high and you can't you can't maintain that so then when it comes time to really 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 make that push you don't have nothing left and you know karen i was watching a cartoon one time and they was illustrating pastors and on this little cartoon i can remember a pastor came in he was at the pulpit and his head hit the pulpit and went to sleep and mm -hmm. I think the little capture said, well, why should I come if he's going to sleep or mm -hmm. something like that, you know, to that effect. And I thought that reminded me of that. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
But, you know, that goes for whoever is on the pulpit. You know, if they come, if they come, you know, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they got the energy. But, you know, if you if I can imagine if I see, a, you know, someone that's supposed to bring the word and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm like Holy Spirit. You know, there's something in this word for me and their head fall off to sleep on the pulpit. Uh, you know, what would you think you would be thinking? Are they sick? You know, did something happen? But, you know. It it does bring it, you know, when you got a, a energetic shepherd and he's and he's leading the flock, that brings the flock to want to get energetic and say, you know, he said this in his sermon, and I should have been calling sister so and so, and I should have been doing this. And and the Holy Spirit will convict you and say, there's more you can do to help him or her. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then in the next paragraph, she's talking about how ministers sometimes take on burdens that God doesn't put on them. And so they exhaust themselves and singing and long praying and talking and all of that. And then they're worn out and they have to go home and rest. And so then it's like, okay, what has been accomplished here? <laughs> and so she said they had spirit and zeal, but they lacked understanding. And they did not exercise wise, basically, leadership. And so, and you know, the Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. So maybe some of those were called, but they weren't chosen to lead. Um, and says they rode upon the chariot of feeling, but, you know, not one victory was gained against the enemy. And so they have to be wise and they have to, um, only take on those burdens that God puts on them to take on and not add to those burdens what would be what what do you think would be some of those burdens that they might take on that God wouldn't put on them? What was your question again? Yeah. What would be some of the burdens that ministers would take on that God wouldn't put on them? They, they well, put in themselves. The, huh? Yeah. In the text it says they exhaust themselves in singing or loud praying, um, a loud outburst. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm and what might be some other ones that you might think of? Finances. Fundraising. What do you think about that? Could be. Could be. I know some. Some spend a lot of time trying to raise money for 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 evangelism during ten efforts and stuff. <laughs> I think something else that attire, and we're just talking about ministers, but anybody. I think all these. I think all of these um, <clears throat> warnings and principles can apply to anyone, any one of us, minister or lay person. But one thing that ministers have had to do is take care of the church. You know, like clean up the church and stuff, which mm -hmm. is you know uh, administration. Like the Bible says, uh, ministers are supposed to be for. Uh, their focus should be prayer and evangelism. So then you need 
the different departmental groups to take care of the administration part of the church? Well, if the church is a body, the head's supposed to do what the head does. Hands do what the hands do. Feet should do what the hands should do. You know. So God already told us how how to do this um, in or in order in decency. Mm-hmm. But you know, I can, I can remember we were going to have a youth function at the uh, after the Sabbath. They could come in and play basketball and stuff. And I remember Pastor Mann, He had he had preached that day, and he hadn't went home because I guess there was something else. And he during the time when they was you know getting the, getting the young people to come through the door, he went in that kitchen and he unlocked the door and. I'm telling you, he ended up getting down there and fixing the water pipe underneath the sink. And I thought with all the people that, I mean, he, and he, and he had waited for weeks and weeks because he, he said, because <laughs> I, I think Emily and me was standing there. He said, well, you know, brother so-and-so told me he was going to fix it. Then brother so-and-so told me he was going to fix it. Mm-hmm. And so he, and, and so I guess, you know, Emily finally said, well, I didn't know when it was going to get fixed, Pastor. And he had his toolbox. That man got down there and fixed that kitchen sink. And I thought, he waited over and over and over. And I said, you know, and you, I, you know, when I read what, what they're talking about ministers, I think he just finally said, it doesn't matter how tired I am. Lord, it's not getting done. And I'm not, you know how some people, they don't want to keep bothering the same people when they say they're going to do something. Then you ought to do it. But, you know, some people are not going to call you to keep reminding you, reminding you. And, I mean, he was on that kitchen floor. He was he was working. Mm-hmm. I think another thing, um, I don't know if this would be it, but what about when, um, when the pastor involves himself in, in like, the, like, like counseling, I'm not talking about somebody coming to their office, you know, whatever, periodically, but, you know, involved in the mess of family, you know, family mess or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So basically the pastor getting involved in non-pastoral things is what we're saying. Um, things that other people should be doing, but maybe they're failing to do. And I think it's nice for pastors to have <clears throat> different skills and abilities. You know, like if you see the need, you go ahead and put the kitchen sink uh, together or whatever. Something simple and quick like that, that's good. But that shouldn't be their main duty. Mm-hmm. We got, you know, as they say, bigger fish to fry. Mm-hmm. Even though everything's important in this area, again, pastors need to maintain their focus. Mm-hmm. And then at the bottom of, um, well, let's go to paragraph 647.3. And um, she's talking about how the minister should discipline themselves for warfare. And she said, greater wisdom is required in, in general generalship in the work of God than is required in generals engaged in national battles. And she says, ministers of God's choosing are engaged in a great work and they are warring not merely against men, but against Satan and his angels. And wisdom is required here. 
And she says, they must become Bible students and give themselves wholly to the work. When they commence labor in a place, they should be able to give the reasons of our faith, not in a boisterous manner, not with a perfect storm, but with meekness and fear. The power which will convince is strong arguments presented in meekness and in the fear of God. And so, um, you know, bearing a pointed testimony, bearing the truth, bringing the truth uh, with humbleness and meekness, that to me, and this is what it's saying, is more convincing than if you are um, proud and lifted up because you have the truth, you know? Were you asking a question, Ms. Karen? I'm just making a statement. Oh, okay. As any comment. Oh, okay. Because um, when I read that sentence, they are warring merely not against men, but against Satan and his angels. Wise mm -hmm. generalship is required there. They must become Bible students and give themselves wholly to work. And then being humble and whatnot. First thing that popped into my head, you know how Jesus was constantly attacked by the Pharisees. They were constantly throwing the uh, the law of Moses and all this stuff. And he would not address directly the little stuff that they were trying to catch him up on. He would go directly to their heart, the heart of the matter, what was behind the agenda. Case in point, when uh, he and the disciples, I forgot the whole context, uh, they had come in, they were invited somewhere to eat or something, and they didn't wash their hands. And then the Pharisees got on them, according to the law, you're supposed to wash your hands and blah, blah, blah. He didn't even dress hand washing. He just looked at them and said, you don't take care of your parents. You know, it just started breaking things down. You don't have charity. And basically you are majoring in minors. But unfortunately, as human beings, we get caught in that trap of majoring in minors. And a lot of it is from being worn down, being spread thin. So when somebody comes at you with, you know, when Satan dangles that bait of something minor, we tend to, we jump on it because we are spread so thin. Instead of taking a step back, a beat, whisper prayer, and going to the heart of the what's really going on here. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what came to my mind when I read it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I like the scripture that is uh, quoted in the in the next paragraph, paragraph six forty eight point one. Would somebody read that scripture? It starts out with "but sanctify." Sanctify. Go ahead, somebody. Okay, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be uh -huh. ready always to give an, an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you um, with meekness and fear. Keep going. Okay, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man and serve, let me see, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle to all men, apt to teach, uh, teach patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God preadventure will give them uh, repentance to the acknowledging of the truth 
and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So I like that because it says a lot, you know, I, I, mean, I mean, it's not one scripture, obviously. It's, it's several scriptures put together. But read all together, you know, it's talking about what manner of deportment and, and really, even though this chapter is really probably talking about perhaps uh, officially trained ministers and ordained ministers, we're all we're all servants of Christ and we're all supposed to be leading someone and some bodies to his kingdom. And so we're all evangelists in a sense. That's what I was saying earlier, Karen, about while some of this is directed at ministers, we can all benefit from these these uh, words of wisdom. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so, um, and we should always, this first, this first uh, scripture, always be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. I mean, and then, so be ready to give an answer. Then, be ready to give it with grace and seasoned with salt. And then don't strive, meaning don't argue with people. You know, that that's one thing I hate. Arguing over the word of God. Don't be arguing with people over the word of God. You know, don't, don't, don't go back and forth with people. It says, but be gentle unto all men. And then be, be able to teach, be patient, meek. Instructing those that oppose themselves, and uh, it's interesting because um, the um, the singer that we had here last week, he 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 talked about people that oppose themselves, and he said he said I don't know anybody who opposed themselves more than people in the LGBTQ community, and I don't want to get off into that a whole lot, but just that. You know, uh, it was interesting that he made that comment. He said, because God created male and female, and then he married male and female, and then he told them to be fruitful and multiply. He said, but LGBTQ people have made themselves where they, they are not fruitful and multiply. So they oppose what God created them to be. So that's, I'm going to leave that right there. But that was interesting that he, well, yeah. I mean, he said that the men are self-made eunuchs. Well, the women aren't eunuchs. So I, I applied it in a broader sense. But um, but um, people that oppose themselves, which is what God created them to be. Um, and then um, it says, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. You know, uh, uh, um, re repentance is a gift from God. And that's what one of the scriptures says. And I, I don't remember exactly where it's found right now, but it is a gift from God. And so maybe God will give that gift to those who, who, who are seeking after him. And maybe he'll give it to those who aren't seeking after him. I don't know. Uh, and then that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So that's really saying a lot to me, all those scriptures put together. But that, but but most of all, that God is a, a God that is willing and able to save us. 
if we just turn to him and if we um, ask for his help. And the script, there's a scripture that says, you know, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open unto me, I will come in and sup with him. It's as simple as just opening the door of your heart to God. And he'll come in. Um, and then uh, let's go on down to the next paragraph. Oh, any, I'm sorry, any comments behind that? If not, let's go on down to the next paragraph. And she talks about how the minister of God is required to be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And that if he's a if he's a if he is a representative of Christ, his deportment, his attitude, his gestures should be of such a character as will not strike the beholder with disgust. Says that he should possess refinement and he should discard discard all uncouth manners, attitudes, and gestures and should encourage in themselves humble dignity of bearing, and they should be clothed in a manner befitting the dignity of their position. And their speech should be in every respect solemn and well chosen. And they should not be making coarse irreverent expressions and relate anecdotes that amuse or present comic illustrations to create laughter. And sarcasm and playing upon the words of an opponent are all not within uh, God's pleasure, basically. And um, they should not feel like they can't improve upon uh, their voice or their manners. And um, she said that the voice should be cultivated so that lengthy speaking will not injure the vocal vocal organs you know that's funny because we often think about singers taking voice lessons i don't think i've ever heard a, a preacher or minister talk about taking voice lessons but uh if you're uh, i don't think you have to be like a tv person to take voice lesson but anyone i feel not just ministers if you're going to be up front or you're going to be uh, speaking to a group of people or leading out that it does help to take some sort of public speaking um, classes maybe or just look at something, uh, video or something, because it's just going to help you to present your message to the people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there are some ministers who could benefit from some lessons also. And it might just be the way they pronounce something or the way that they stand or something. It could be something really simple. But if they change it or modify it, it can make a really beneficial difference in their messages and how people um, receive their messages. Right. I think on my husband's job, they took some sort of a, a public speaking um, class or something, Andre. Uh -huh. And um, you want to say what? Public speaking class? Something you took oh. where... Toastmasters. Yeah, and and they mm -hmm. taught them how to do better or something. Yeah, and it can be something simple that you might not even think about. Um, one of the things they taught us in Toastmasters was 
uh, stand up to be seen, speak up to be heard, and shut up to be respected. <laughs> Just something real simple, but it makes a big difference in your speaking. Uh-huh. Right. And I don't think anybody at my university that was in the areas of education that we had to take two classes of public speaking. Oh, that's mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. I think that's a perfect, uh, perfect place to need uh, to take public speaking class. If you're an educator, your whole purpose is to teach, to get your message across to people. So I think that's a good place to take public speaking class. But, you know, Elder Carol, they don't even require the teachers to take that anymore. I mean, it's like it's outdated <laughs> to them. But we, we as older teachers, we think it's necessary. Yeah. And these teachers nowadays need to take boxing lessons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if they lay their hands on those kids. They're going to be fired. Yeah. Um, any last comments? Because I think we're going to end there for today. Our time is up. Well, you know, my comment, too, is, you know, you have some ministers that can get up and they can deliver a message. And I guess that's why I like Central States Conference Line, because, you know, there are some ministers that get on in the morning and some, you know, they, they can get straight to the point And you're like, they finish, but you get so much out of it where others, they may take a little longer. And, you know, I'm a note taker. And I'm like, okay, uh, where, where were they at? Because, you know, they'll jump around. But I just think it's kind of nice to be able to hear different ministers. Even like like I think someone said earlier, you may hear a sermon, but when they give you that little nugget, I see it makes you think in a way you're like, oh, I heard that sermon, but now I'm thinking in a different way. So you just thank the Holy Spirit that sometimes it doesn't take a long, you know, drawn-out sermon. Sometimes it takes those little short ones, and you're like, man, that's going to stick with me all week. And, you know, you go back studying and stuff. So I think, you know, it, it does, it, the different ministers, I like how their styles are different. Mm -hmm. Me too. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, we have speakers, and sometimes we have preachers. So it just, yeah, it can be very different from one to the other. I love that. I like having a whole lot of different speakers and preachers. Because when you think about it, we're all different in the way that we hear things, too. So what might reach one person with this speaker, another speaker will reach some other people. Same way with witnessing. You know, you have testimonies that reach this group. Somebody else have testimonies to reach with that group. Mm -hmm. Amen. You sure right, Elder. Mm -hmm. That is so true. All right. Um, Lee, where are we next week in class? Um, lesson three. And, uh, no, no class. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Next week, we're not going to have class because we got this special speaker who's going to be there all day. That's right. Yes. Okay. We'll yes. So, so for Black History Month, we're having Dr. Colin Ross come in and he's going to be presenting a program Friday night and then Sabbath morning for Sabbath mm -hmm. school and then Sabbath for 11 o'clock hour and then also Sabbath afternoon. Yeah. Um, so please join us if you're able for any of those times. They will all be in Tabernacle of Praise. In Spanish Lake, Missouri. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
All right. Um, well, let's close out. Um, Patsy, would you pray us out, please? Yes, ma'am. Dear thank Heavenly you. Father, we thank you again for giving us the breath of life. We thank you for bringing us together to hear a word from you. Now, Lord, as we listen to your word, Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide us with wisdom, understanding, and knowledge that we will be able to share your word with someone, forgiving us of our sins, our inequities, and our transgression, that as Jesus went out and he was kind in his words, let us imitate what Jesus has done before us as he talked to those that needed to hear who he was and what he's doing and what he has done. Lord, we just look for the time where we can actually see you in the sky and say, this is our God who we are waited on. And, Lord, we just thank you for preparing what you're doing now, a place that we will come to and live forever and never have to worry about any sin. Because, Lord, you have said you will take revenge and you will save your children. Save us all into your heavenly kingdom is my prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.